Hello everyone and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. We saw The Red Turtle separately. It was out a few months ago back in the summer and then the Electric Cinema have been showing various films from throughout the year. Um, they've been bringing them back for the Christmas period. And I caught it at the cinema, which I was glad to. Yes. Because I missed it the first time. You weren't... I wanted to surprise you at the cinema, because you said, oh, I'll see it on Tuesday. I know, I'm and sorry. And then I showed up instead of seeing Dunkirk. Yeah, I've, you know, I've, was just, I've just been working so all out that then it was almost like that day is just the day I crashed. Yeah. You know, uh, and so I stayed home bundled up. I was lucky enough that it was available on Amazon... And it just kind of made me think of the differences again of, you know, watching it on, on, on a big screen or watching it at home and, you know, the advantages and disadvantages of each. I kind of, I do claim that it's a different experience, really. Oh, yeah. You know, um, uh, for me, uh, watching it on a big screen, the audience reaction, the ability to be immersed in it, the lack of a pause button, those are not just like minor differences. I think they're really fundamental differences in watching a film. On the other hand, you know, uh, it it costs the same to buy it as a screening at the electric would have cost. Nine fifty. Yeah, this was like nine pounds something mm. um, to buy it, and then of course the thing is that you could fast forward and back backtrack and see it over and over again, and you know, so yeah, um, it's it's not quite horses for courses. I do think it's a different experience, and one of the things that was telling was that, in spite of my best intentions. It took me about three hours to see the film today, right? It's an hour and 20 minutes long, right? Yeah. And I'd watch for 10 minutes and then, like, you know, the phone would ring or and I'd watch for 10 minutes and then I'd make a coffee and it's just... And, it's you an know, impoverished experience. It is a bit of an impoverished experience. And I kept saying, you know, turn everything off and just watch it, you know, and I, and I would try and then something would intervene, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm also wondering to what extent I'm now kind of absorbed in a victim of like, you know, instant kind of phone clicks and bings and, you know, like every time. But that's kind of why, that's why you go to, one of the reasons you go to the cinema is because you turn off your phone there and you say for the next hour and a half, two hours, I'm not going to be disturbed. I give myself to the film. I know, but then that just makes it a question of willpower, you know. Well, at home it does. I don't think it does at the cinema. Yeah. At the cinema, it's a matter of politeness to turn your phone off. Yeah, yeah. Well, at the cinema, you do it, but I'm, you know. But what I'm trying to establish is that I think the differences, the difference in experience, is much more than one of just willpower. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I think it affects your senses differently. Um, anyway, there you go. I, I just thought that oh, yeah, was worth yeah, yeah. mentioning. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. It's not just a case of it's not the differences aren't just about whether you're distracted or not. It's a qualitatively different experience sitting mm. in a cinema and and the, the whole experience being dedicated to the film. Yes, and yeah, the, sitting in a darkened room. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to describe it. And you're, and you're there with other people. That's that's well, well theoretically you're there with other people. Although sitting in an empty cinema is an experience unto itself as well. Uh, yes, uh, it is. Um, Anyway, what did you think of the Red Turtle? I thought it was extremely beautiful to look at. Um, I'd never seen a, a Ghibli, <laughs> Ghibli film before. Had you not? I know, uh, I know about them. Right, I know their reputation. I've um, seen them all, but I'd not seen one. Uh. Um, and and this it, this isn't directed by Hayao Miyazaki, um, 
so it's it's under the studio, um, but it's directed by this guy Michael Dudokder Wit. Yes, a Dutch animator. This is his first feature, I think. Yes, um, and it's a co-production. It was interesting looking at the credits actually because you have Belgium and France and UK and Japan mm. kind of all put money in this really, which I think is interesting. It's kind of you know an interesting comment on the on the uh, reach of Studio Ghibli. It's really like true, yeah. You know, an international, an internationally loved uh, um, series of works that is not American, you know, and I think that's important. Yeah, although it kind of occurs to me that the, the, that that level of involvement from so many different places is. It, to an extent, what you'd expect, like the way you, the, a way a film like this gets made, really, it, that kind of spreading of the risk amongst so many different investors um, across so many different countries, it doesn't seem that unusual to me. I guess, or I didn't. Well, I suppose it's become kind of the norm, really. Though I think it's more the norm outside the industries of the big industries of the U.S., India, and China. You know, then, yeah. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, I think for other countries, like, you know, when you see a Spanish film or whatever, it's almost, you know, a given that you'll have money from various, you know, European sources of financing. A Latin American film will have, you know, various sources of financing, including European ones, etc. Yeah. You know, um, but, but American films do, on the whole, tend to be financed. Uh, American entirely. American yeah, well, they'll, they'll, have, they'll be probably different companies involved. Mm. But they'll all be American. That's Whereas right. it's like, well, really, I suppose the rest of the world, maybe excluding Japan, um, the rest of the world doesn't really have a film industry big enough to finance huge films on their own. Not anymore. They no. used to. Yeah. Or many used to anyway. But, the, but think... that's, this isn't a huge film. This is, well, I don't know what the budget was, but it I don't know doesn't strike is. me as huge. Yeah. I wonder if you can find out. Um, Give me a, just a second. The Red Turtle budget. See if we can find anything. No, no clue as to the budget, really. I mean, it would have been small, um, but no clue how small. There, there is, I've found a little bit of information as to the box office, um, which seems to be around $6.5 million uh, worldwide. Not very much. Which is not very much, but probably probably um, made us money back. Oh. And will continue to do so on DVD, this kind of film tends to. Yes, and though, on demand. though we should talk about that, actually, because it's, it's an odd animated film. In what way? Um, because I think at the moment, animation tends to be aimed either at children specifically or at the whole family, mm. right? Uh, with all that that implies. Uh, and this, I think, is really kind of an adult film. It's a film that actually I can't imagine, you know, children... Um, Tolerating or enjoying? No, or? I, I can imagine them tolerating it, but I can't imagine it's not addressed to children. I don't no, think. it's not addressed, and that's that's um, for sure. Yeah, I think you're right that animated films these days are heavily aimed towards children and families. I think the real um, the thing about them is that they they tend to be very pop culture savvy. I think they're full of references or they're adaptations of of you know or based on things that are, that have already that are kind of pre existing. Whereas this is an entirely original film about a guy who goes to an island, there's nothing really... I mean, there's no particular referencing or uh, kind of building upon 
previous sources in the way that you know something like Shrek or Toy Story or the big ones do? Well, the thing about this film that I think makes it stand out for me uh, from those, uh, and I don't know if you remember one of the discussions that we had about the Lego movie, you know, is that this film is not trying to sell you anything. Whereas actually, I think all of those animated films, they're all trying to sell you something. That's a yeah. much better way of putting it, yeah. Um, so, so I think kind of what this film is, is, is trying to communicate to you feels pure, really. You know, it's kind of tried to convey an idea and a feeling and a mood, you know, and, it does, and I think it does so very beautifully, you yeah. know. I was kind of enchanted by it, really. Uh, I mean, I have some, some, some quibbles at the end, you know, which, which we might talk. But one of the things that impressed me is that the film just seems so poetic. You know, it, it is. It's dealing with kind of, you know, the ineffable. It's a, it's a film that's entirely without dialogue. So it's, it's full of sound. It's full of sounds of the sea and of the wind and... Animals. Yeah, and animals. And, and people howling, right, or in <laughs> rage or frustration or whatever. But there's no words, yeah. He says right. hey at one point. That's as close as he gets to a sentence. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 the film is basically kind of trying to convey all that it is trying to convey, basically through through a very poetic use of imagery. There's no other way of, of putting yeah. it, really. Uh, and I thought it was very beautiful and moving. Uh, well, so let's let's just uh, clarify what the the story is really, because I didn't know. Hmm. I knew vaguely before I saw it that it was about a guy on an island and he has some relationship with a red turtle. Yes. Didn't know anything else. And, and I, I knew nothing except, you know, it, it had crump, come up, cropped up in my reading as, uh, you know, one of the high, most highly rated films, you know, in year-end yeah. roundups or something. That's what made me want to see it, right? Kind yeah. of, you know, uh, uh, a film that I, I don't re- actually remember having heard of it previously, but it kept coming up as, a, you know, a film to see uh, in lists. That's all I knew of it, really. And the other thing I knew about it before, uh, and this was back in July, which made me want to see it, was, was that it was free of dialogue. Mm. And so I was interested in, in, you know, seeing the kind of story, kind of purely told mm. audiovisually, no dialogue. Yes. Um, so, so the story is that a guy is shipwrecked on an island, uh, makes some attempts to to get off it, and it, he, he builds a raft. The, the island is kind of dense and foresty and full of. There's life on it. There's these crabs that he kind of <laughs> that sort of follow him around, yes. which are nice. And he he keeps on making rafts out of bamboo, and as he sails away from shore, something keeps destroying it. Something knocking on it from underneath breaks it up. Yes. Eventually, uh, he sees that it's this giant red turtle, like the size of him. Yes, this thing. And then, it, you know, so he, he, he faces off with this thing and then it, it just swims away. He sees it on the beach. He's frustrated and angry that it's thwarted his attempt to uh, leave. So he hits it in the head and turns it over and leaves it to die. After a few days of it just lying there on the beach, just dehydrating, he feels remorse, tries to turn it over but can't, tries to keep it alive, ultimately it dies. And then it splits in half down the middle, and a woman emerges. Yes. A woman with long red hair. And you go, oh, okay. Hmm. So it's, this is fantastical. Yes. <laughs> As if it wasn't enough already. But, uh, and then he and the woman fall in love, really, mm. and make a life together on the island, and they have a child. The child grows up, eventually leaves. The child has a relationship with some other turtles as well. 
giant turtles that, that are just normal coloured, not red. Yes. And it kind of swims away with them. Yes. Ultimately, in old age, the guy dies, the woman grieves for him, and then turns back into a turtle. And, and goes back to the returns sea. to the sea. Yes. So that's the plot. That's the plot. Uh-huh. And it's... Um, you don't really... I didn't know where it was going to go, you know, at any point. I mean, I didn't know that the turtle was going to turn to a woman, for one thing. So at yes. that point, all bets are off. Yes. Um, uh, and I found it quite enchanting. The whole time I was thinking to myself, is this... Is, so is, is is this kind of a dream that he's having? Like, because he's dehydrated. Is the whole film going to be, yeah. you know, that, that he's kind of mad? <laughs> yes. Um is she really a woman now? <laughs> I, I didn't think that because, you know... I don't think the, you're really supposed to think that. I think that's yeah. really... The film clearly delineates... Being generous. The film clearly delineates its dream sequences. You know, so the scene where um, the main character is flying on the bamboo bridge yes. and, you know, kind of... You know, there are moments where either rage or loneliness or you know, kind of uh, make you go into someone's mind and then you get like these these sequences that are clearly taking place in the mind of that protagonist and you thought, well, the thing about the turtle is not one of them. Yes. You know, and, and actually it's quite common in these... Yeah, I mean, I wasn't confused about that. I must say, it wasn't like I was going through the film not being able to grasp what was going on. Yes. I was, but I just... I, um, and leave it all, I was still thinking, at what level am I supposed to believe in the reality of what's going on. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. But, I mean, just, you know, as someone who has watched a lot of Ghibli films, I mean, it is quite common. They do take place in kind of fantastical worlds mm. that, you know, kind of are metaphorical, really, and also kind of imagined. And they're like our own, but, you know, other kind of magical things could happen in them, and that's just part of the logic of that world. So I just took this to be a kind of a magical realist kind of thing where, you know, it's a world where those things happen, you know. I did wonder what the significance of it was because, you know, these things and these other worlds don't just take place accidentally. I mean, they are meant to convey something about our own world. So, you know, uh, this um, beautiful but destructive thing that continuously destroys your journey, <laughs> right, to a safer place that then you end up kind of killing, and then through killing it, you know, you find the love of your life. I mean, I did kind of wonder how to read all of that, mm. you know, um, because clearly the film is about a cycle of life, isn't it? It's the circle. <laughs> <laughs> then so much better. Than... <laughs> yeah, I suppose it is. Um... Well, it certainly is. Uh, it's it's clearly um, conveyed through the return, to, the return to being a turtle. Mm. Um, yeah, that that's not accidental. That's a kind of there's like a completion of something in that. Yes, um, there's a cycle. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, the child growing up, and you know, kind of those moments of love and family, and you know, feeling, and you know, then the risk of losing the child. I mean, they are meant to be like kind of almost archetypal stages in the life of someone, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, you have like, uh, the, uh, the child, when, when it's a little toddler and it's kind of playing with stuff and eats a crab and spits back out and falls down a thing and, uh, and, and there's all this kind of risk in the child's behaviour um, that then turns into, like, as, as the kid turns into an adolescent, 
it becomes a yearning to leave. Yes. You know, and again, that's a kind of there. There is uh, it kind of hits these beats yes. of what growing up stories are about. Yes. With the with the child. Um, I I I very much love the way that it was done. Um, so you know when he goes on the raft and something destroys it. And actually, you're not shown what, what is destroying it until the third time. That's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, so initially, you you know, you think it might be a shark or, you know, something like really that could eat him, right? You feel a sense of danger when that happens. And actually, he feels that as well, right? I didn't. But then, I, it is called the red turtle. I thought, this is probably the turtle. Well, you know, it <laughs> Maybe, could have I don't been a shark really... the first time around, right? I suppose it could have. But I don't know that you're really... Suppo- I mean, I guess... Maybe that's just because I knew that a turtle was going to pitch up eventually. I know, I felt a sense of tension. I think it's on the poster, yeah. Well. The big turtle. A turtle is on the poster, but, you know, he goes on the raft three or four times, right? Yeah. Like, you know, so it's it's not, uh, uh, you know, it's not stupid to think that, like, oh, you know, the one time it could be something else, right? Like, And actually, the turtle is not revealed to be a turtle until, like, you know, I think on the third or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so, don't see anything the first time. You don't know, but I, I think it's kind of reasonable to assume. But uh, well, with well, that I said, like, okay, let let me argue because it's not reasonable to assume that. So, for example, I was just gonna, the story could have gone in a different way. Of course, it could. Yeah, it could have been a shark, and then the turtle rescues him. Right? Like, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's true. So, but I, I, what I was going to then elaborate on is actually this is one of the reasons that I don't like knowing anything before I see films. And actually, even knowing mm. that this was, a sto- this was a, a kind of minimalist tale about a guy and a turtle, even knowing that much, meant that I didn't experience those scenes in the same way. Oh, okay. And actually, it would have been better to experience them the way you did, Go- going, I really don't know what's happening here, because I had a pretty clear idea, which turned out to be correct, mm. that this would be the turtle ultimately knocking on the... Okay. I was I was mentioning it because I think it's characteristic of the film's narrative mm. that often something happens, you see the protagonist dealing with it and looking at something, but actually you're not shown what that something is until considerably later. Right. Right. And it's kind of you know, it's it's part of what the film does over and over again. Uh and it renders it kind of um suspenseful is the wrong word, but it kind of it makes time overhang. Right, and it keeps you questioning until you're shown. Right, it kind of it creates a tension and a feeling, really. Uh, I mean, it's not that you're you're desperate to know, or, yeah. So it's not that kind of suspense, but you're wanting to know kind of what it is that the character is seeing, and the film is patient and lets you wait. You know, the film definitely kind of it doesn't it doesn't tend to um, clue you in ahead of time as yes. to what it's as a kind of. So, for instance, when when uh, he he's first on the island and he falls down uh, a kind of cliff face into this pool, you really have no idea a where he's going or b what's going to happen next. How he's going to get out of this? You think he must get out of this somehow, um, but but you really don't know. And there is there is little kind of ultimately he swims down and finds a a route underneath the rocks to get out the other side but um even with that scene what i loved about it is that he's he's shown trying to climb back through the rock and slipping and 
you know, the film is confident in, in letting you see that like two or three times, right? He tries climbing and then he tries climbing again and then he tries climbing again and then it becomes clear that he's got to find another route or die, right? Yeah. But, you know, this willingness to like show you that, I, I kind of, I really liked it actually. It kind of, it, it showed a confidence in the audience, right? And, and also in kind of letting a mood unfold, yeah. you know? Oh, the film is like, I mean, patient. Yes. And that's one way to put it. The, the film, yeah, as you say, lets a mood build and is patient in in allowing you to see kind of minutiae sometimes or, or uh, you know, kind of the details of something happening as opposed to just moving on to the next point as quickly as it can. Mm. Actually taking time to observe the character doing something. And the, and the character is so... The, the central the, the guy that says... Is so beautifully animated. Yes. I mean, I kind of thought it reminded me of um, Prince of Persia, the original, as in the game, the original oh, right. Prince of Persia, which was back in about nineteen eighty-seven, I think, um, uh, which was made by this guy Jordan Mechner, and it was rotoscoped. Um, and so, th- so this guy, this Jordan Mechner, he he filmed his brother kind of running and jumping and kicking, and then rotoscoped that painstakingly and made it mm. into the game, and he gave it this really precise kind of slow animation that was very very detailed and was clearly each frame was absolutely different and this really resembled that the the detail in in it's a very it's a very simple kind of drawing style right so it's just kind of simple black lines yeah but they are very precise and you build a build a really convincing person it's not stylized the face is stylized. Yes. It's quite simple. It's just these dots for eyes. But the the way the body is built is um, very realistic. Yes, I I like the simplicity of the line, but then the accretion of um, detail in things like the bamboo forest, or you know, kind of later when the island gets washed away, and you have like these long grasses. Yeah, that kind yes. of the family walks through. Um, all of that seemed like, you know, very detailed, yeah, very textured. Uh, That's the other thing I was going to say, textured, like the, there's a combination of the, the, the use of the lines is very simple. Um, it, it's like, it's, they're very precise, but they're not overly detailed, so you get, that there's not an overabundance of detail in the way that the um, kind of different shapes are created. But the way that the, the kind of these watercolours are used to texture them is it gives everything this 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 depth kind of underneath yes. the lines which is beautiful yeah I mean, it's really beautiful especially the sea there's so many different ways the sea looks in this sometimes it's it's dark blue there are these kind of pools that are clear there's there's green there's red there's a kind of magic hour thing going on in the mm. sky and that's all done through the coloring the coloring is unbelievably beautiful mm. i love that it was done as a silent film i thought it was kind of you know very poetic right in the sense that, um, you know, everything that happens seems to happen in a condensed manner, that it has kind of various meanings, that it's pointing to something else or standing in for something else. Uh, and, and I love that about the film. It makes the film seem very serious and important, right? It, it makes it feel it's about life, <laughs> yeah. yes? Yeah. And it's being told to you in this form. So, so I mean, I think it's a... It's a I think it's an almost great film. There, there are a few things that bothered me, right? I don't think it's perfect. Yeah. So what did you... What, what, what... Well, I, I suppose I kind of... Um, what are its lacks for you? It, it, it sounds kind of harsh to say it because we've been so complimentary about 
um, about the kind of theme and like it, but but um, talking about it is in some ways a more enjoyable experience than watching it was because when I was watching it, I was kind of I wasn't directly um, I wasn't feeling too emotionally affected by it. Which is not to say that that's necessarily a failure, that it, that's what it was. It wanted me to do or anything, but um, I was watching it with a, with what I felt was a kind of intellectual distance, uh. which wasn't deliberate. You know, I, I, it's not how I, I didn't go into thinking I will I will assess this movie and blah blah blah, um, but it didn't kind of grab me. Right, I was interested the whole way through, but I I wasn't connecting with it. Uh, that's interesting. Um, I I did accept. You know, there were certain things that then distanced me. So, for example, it felt like a real... Well, it, it's what it is, right? It's, it's a male point of view on something. So, you know, which I don't... I, I never have problems with, right? Like, I always think that, you know, the problem for me is not that women are represented from a male perspective necessarily. You know, you want that. You know, but actually the problem is that not enough women are, you know, kind of making their own movies, really. And that, you know, that should be the focus for me. You have to kind of have more more female perspectives on things. Um, but, you know, it is kind of like a male perspective, right? Like mm. this, this magic turtle that becomes this unknowable kind of <laughs> woman, right? Like it's kind of a very vague, idealized romantic but also kind of you know objectifying and diminishing thing really like you can't have a woman it has to be like a magical turtle woman right like uh, and also <laughs> kind of, I think you never although the film doesn't do anything through through dialogue you never feel that it's um suggesting what the woman wants at any point never yeah the, the, the film is all about through through the guy's eyes and you think about what he wants yeah. initially of course before the turtle's even there it's all about the guy and he's been shipwrecked yeah. and he wants to get off the island and and as the film goes on um yeah obviously the woman is there but the woman always seems to be whatever she's doing is kind of informing what you think about the guy yeah i mean the woman is just there to complete the man really mm-hmm. You know, so to create the ideal relationship and to create a son, which is significant. It's not a daughter, it's a son, mm. right? Like, yeah, so, uh, you know, to support, right, to be a companion. I mean, if you really analyze it, it becomes more problematic as it goes along, right? Like, kind of, there's yeah, no sense of agency. But as I, as I said, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the reason why I felt distance, obviously, is because I think... You know, there are many other ways of having, like, a complete life than, you know, to find an ideal partner and have a child and, you know, go on to the next circle of life. I mean, kind of, you know, lives have different circles for different people. And, it's you know, there are other ways of kind of, you know, uh, uh, living through uh, the uh, blows that life gives you. Uh, or the barriers that it kind of puts up for you, or, you know, kind of uh, um, the difficulties that one faces in life. Uh, this is kind of done, you know, I suppose in the most conservative way possible, right? Which is, you know, mm. through the nuclear family, really. Um, so all of that I found kind of less than ideal for me, or less than imaginative for me, right? 
so I, I suppose those would be kind of my reservations. And they have to do just in terms of the way that the project is conceptualized to begin with, really. So I think, you know, given that it is conceptualized in that way, it's realized very beautifully. Yeah. I, th I think this, um, I kind of realized maybe what the largest problem of the film is for me, which is that I, I, um, I think it's difficult to actually really directly discuss the themes. I think we're talking about it around the edges, about saying, well, it, you know, uh, the film could have been this, or the film is, you know, kind of being conservative. But actually, in terms of like, in terms of trying to really grasp onto the film in a concrete way, saying, okay, so why is the, why is it a turtle, and why does a turtle turn to a woman, and this sort of thing? I think that's really hard, and I think actually, in t having to discuss the film in terms of vagaries is dissatisfying and I think I don't have a clear idea of what the film really wants to convey oh, well, which is I, difficult I don't have that problem I mean I think the, the, the turtle woman is the problem right because everything else to me has a has a kind of a logic right you know so kind of life is depicted as the shipwreck of a storm which are kind of you know is, is understandable right and kind of you know a protagonist tries to find a safer shore right or a return to whence he came which is never made clear you know and he struggles and fails and he struggles and fails and he struggles and fails and that's kind of you know you can see there's a metaphor for life really you know and then kind of he resigns himself to what is in fact an oasis <laughs> right and you know within that oasis he uh, finds that whom he had thought to be his biggest enemy is in fact his life's companion. And there's a metamorphosis that goes through that. And then there's a moment of joy and bliss in finding companionship and in forming a family and in seeing a child grow up, right? And then some storm comes out of nowhere and destroys everything that you've built up, <laughs> right? Uh, and kind of... You know, and in fact, the people who come to your aid when life has completely, you know, ruined you and made you collapse is actually your wife and you, and particularly your child, mm. right? Who kind of, you know, goes to extremes to kind of, you know, bring you back from, you know, the point of drowning and kind of bring you to shore. And then kind of you're not, you're nurtured and taken care of by your wife and child you know, uh, um, until, you know, kind of, you die, basically, and, you know, the child leaves, or the child leaves and then you die, one of the two. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of a I metaphor or for an idea of life, anyway. Yes, yeah. What, uh, very eloquent. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> very nice. Um, what did you make of the crabs? Oh, I thought the crabs were lovely. I mean, I thought the crabs, well, first of all, they're like a humorous punctuation. They really made me laugh. In fact, yeah. I was in a cinema with ten other people, and there's one point where the crabs... Were, so there are these kind of four crabs that hang around the fellow when he, he first gets there, and they're kind of nervous of him, and he feeds them a little bit, and eventually they start kind of following him around, and they're like these little... They're like a, they're like a Greek chorus, almost. Yes, they, well, they um, are, yeah. That hang around uh, and start getting into everything. And at one point, when he, he he's overturned the turtle, and he decides, I've got to go and, uh, get get it some water. He picks up a little kind of bamboo cup 
that he's got to rush off and get some water. And and as, as he runs off, he kind of tips it upside down and cut the crabs fall out. And I really laughed. I laughed loudly at that yeah. bit. It was really, really funny. And no one else in the cinema did. Oh. I felt really disappointed. Oh, well, I, I, mean, I, I found the crabs funny. I, I love them. Um, but also kind of they were not just funny, you know, because they were used as a way of making the vagaries of life... Um, unsentimental, right? So, you know, there was that bit where the fish, you know, is in a little puddle, whatever, and the crab comes in and brings it to eat, right? Or, yeah, and then, like, a crab... They start picking it to... Yeah, you know, and then the crab itself gets eaten by a seagull, and, right, like, you know... That made uh, me laugh as well. Yeah. So, so, you know, kind of, it's there in a way to kind of, you know, bring humour, but also a kind of... To indicate a level of the harshness of nature, really, you know. Yeah. Um, so I thought that, I thought that was all kind of really great. I mean, the one plot point that really befuddled me uh, more than the turtle woman that I just took as a given. Yeah, it was a kind of a leap in. Yeah, that's you like you, the central point of suspension of disbelief. You have to. Yeah, go you have you go along with it. But what I didn't get. Was the fire right? Okay. Well, burning all the all the bamboo after the storm. Yeah, because I thought, well, you know, the, it's never been indicated that he had access to fire in the whole thing. I mean, why not grill a fish? <laughs> like, you know, like, I suppose there is that. I mean, actually, it was weird. Interestingly, about thirty seconds before the fire, I was thinking to myself, "There's not been any fire in this film." Yes. Weirdly, and and then it just showed up at that point, and it's it's in when they're kind of. Uh, this tsunami has has ravaged the island, and they kind of burn all the waste as a kind of, I guess, to start a kind of renewal process mm. to kind of get rid of everything old and, and start with the new. Um, but I mean, you're right; it, it's never been shown that he has kind of got the wherewithal to, to learn how to cook. Yes, but I don't necessarily. I mean, it would have been. Good. I think that, it, that that heightens the impact of the fire when it does show up. It's it's that much more. I mean, basically, you've never apart from. A few kind of sunsets. You haven't really seen the color, and obviously in the turtle, you haven't really seen the color red all that much in the film. It's much more. It's green and it's blue and it's um, yeah. The kind of sand is sand colored, sort of yes. yellowy. Um, and then and so when the fire comes in and it's accompanied by a, a loud, you know, the mm. sound of a burning bonfire, um, it's it's that much harsher. You know? It is, but you know, I I don't know, maybe. Um... Maybe it's my own expectations, but, you know, the film does have a Robinson Crusoe kind of a backstory, right? Or, or the type of story that it's in the tradition of is the Robinson Crusoe story, right? A man gets shipwrecked on an island and has got to survive, right? And you see him getting water, you know, and you see him finding food, yeah. right? And the next thing that they always show is getting fire right because sure. you know and so actually i thought not showing us how he makes fire and then having a big you know fire at the end i it just i didn't like it <laughs> i didn't have a problem with that um i it's interesting it's interesting thinking about those other shipwreck stories like like you know castaway or whatever where it's it's kind of always it's always those stories are man versus environment and um, yeah, learning to cope in it in a harsh, harsh sort 
sort of world. Um, and this film starts off with elements of that, and he's just trying to escape at the start. And he's learning to, but actually, it doesn't really take him very much effort to learn to live on this island, right? Yes, he, he seems pretty much comfortable straight away. It's not like he gets there and then is tortured by a world that he can't cope with. Yes. He knows what he's doing, basically, and he just wants to get off the island. He doesn't find it difficult to make a raft. The, the island is full of resources, full of food, full of water. Um, so it's not a kind of struggle against the environment, really. No. Um, it, which I think is, is slightly That's novel. That's a for really a interesting like point and an important point. It's not a struggle uh, against the environment. It's a struggle to live or for life, right? Like, it's, like, it's a struggle to thrive instead of survive. I suppose it's a struggle to make the best life possible in the circumstances that you're given. Mm. That's what the struggle is, right? Because I think throughout all of the beginning, what you really feel is his loneliness. Yes. You know, um, and, you know, his strivings that come to naught, right? Like the, the building of the raft and the trying to find a better place or going to a better place or going away from that place and like each effort doomed, right? Uh, by this turtle, who I haven't quite figured out what the, what that means. <laughs> right? it's, it's like that. There's that triangle you get of like human needs. Mm. We're seeing that it, I think it's quite. It's from the seventies or something. And at the bottom, it's things like shelter and food. Mm. And then above that, it's uh, companionship. And above that, it's self fulfillment. It's like, and once you've got everything on the bottom level, you can have all the stuff on the next one and so on and so yes. forth. So it's like, and all these castaway films are based on getting all the stuff on the bottom level at first. Yes. And in this film, he doesn't have to bother with that. The film is more interested in the higher level, the higher ideals uh, yes. of, of, of what makes him happy. You're right, you're right. But still the fire felt like dissonant to me. I wanted to know sure. how he'd come by fire. Um, Why do you think the turtle um, kept breaking his raft? I struggled with this question. I was thinking about, does, it, does the turtle hate him? Does the turtle love him? Well, I mean, I, to be honest, I, I kind of... Um, I, I, I just personally, uh, did not think that the turtle was against him in the raft. I mean, you know, I just imagined that the raft was very flimsy and, you know, kind of a turtle, a turtle behind it, kind of going up to see what was above, you know, would tumble it, you know? So I thought it was like, because, you know, there's no sense of the turtle being aggressive, Right, and in fact, when he does tumble and he sees the turtle, the turtle just stares, whereas he's waiting for an attack that never happens. So you know, I kind of, um, I didn't take the turtle as being uh, uh, aggressive. That's very interesting because that is exactly what I thought. I, when you talk about um, the raft uh, being flimsy, I mean, I, I, I thought the raft uh, looked pretty sturdy, and actually, it took quite some effort to destroy. It took a few hits. Um, it wasn't. It didn't seem to be idle curiosity on the turtle's part that that you know hit it and oh it broke. It took a few goes to destroy it, and it happened more than once. Yes, you know, well, on it happened three, I think three times. You know, but you know. But then the, you're right. The turtle does just hang there in the water, yes. looking at him, and then just leaves. It's not like it's like once it's once it's stopped him from leaving. It's achieved its goal. That's what I took oh, okay, from it. Okay, that's interesting. Yes, and it didn't matter what he did next. He just yes. didn't want it to go. Yes. Well, you may, you know, kind of. Uh, I mean, that could work with my interpretation as well. I certainly didn't see it as an attack, right? Um, I mean, you do see it as an attack uh, uh, in this. Yeah, uh, but 
or you see that something destroys the raft, right? Uh, and it could be an attack initially. Uh, and then what happens is he builds a sturdier raft and then a sturdier one still, you know, and yeah, and, and kind of, you know, they're not, the, the turtle overpowers each, yeah. each of them. Um, but uh, yeah, kind of, I just read that kind of metaphorically as like life dragging you back, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, yeah, but, just, but without evil intent necessarily, the way that life tends to do, like shit happens, right? And it's not necessarily like somebody trying to prevent you from doing something. It's just oh sure, <laughs> but then but but um, but the turtle is you know it's the turtle has a brain and has some agency and isn't um, you know but, what I mean? Like it's making a decision. I think is it though. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that it's not. No, no, sure. Well, um, this is the question. I mean, I, th- I think if it was like, if he kept trying to get off the island and he kept on running into storms that broke his raft, then I think that's, that, that would be a stronger indication, or a stronger metaphor for, you know, life stopping you. But the idea of something with decision-making power, you know, preventing you is not the same. Maybe, or it could just be nature, because there is something about the turtle, right? Because when the, you know when they have a when they have a child, the child swims with turtles, right? Yeah. So there is also a sense of you know the hybridity or uh, yeah of the child, yeah that he's part turtle and part human, say, mm. you know that it kind of it gives him a different perspective and a different point of view and a different way of maneuvering in the world, yeah, at sea and on land. So, but I, I kind of, I, I don't know how to interpret that. No, it's really. right. He's comfortable with the turtle. He joins them. Um, he, he sees some tur- some giant turtles swimming around and just joins them. And, and they just, I mean, as, as turtles don't really have facial expressions, but they <laughs> seem to accept him and, yeah, or at least aren't bothered by him. And later on, obviously he's, has a friendship with them because they help him uh, look for his dad yeah, after the storm. He's part of them somehow. Yeah. Um, what and eventually they help him leave, don't they? Right? They do. He, he leaves with them. He lives with them. You know, uh, so he leaves to explore another world with the turtles. Uh, how that's interpreted, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I struggle to grasp onto certain parts of it, but it's, it's kind of, it's wonderfully rewarding just to watch, though. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think it's wonderfully rewarding to see an animated film that isn't trying to sell you something and that is actually poetical you know and it is very actively trying to convey a mood and a feeling yeah and kind of through that kind of give you a meaningful experience right and you know one that you can't necessarily like pin down and say you know it's x it's partly meaningful because actually you can't quite grasp all the details really yeah yeah it made me really think about movement as well. Just just thinking about the animation, like, um, because it's so spare, um, every and and the, and the movement is so detailed that um, the way things do move and, and the amount that they move was really interesting to me. So, um, when the turtle is dying, lying on its back. Um, the fact that it doesn't move and it's just it's just a, a still image is it's kind of more um impactful than doing something in live action or that was trying to look like live action would be because because it is just pure stillness yes 
that there, there is nothing moving. And then when something does eventually move, you know, uh, uh, the turtle uh, transforms into this woman and her hand moves. Um, like that, that tiny, just a, just a, a couple of pixels and a couple of frames of movement mean everything yes and because it's in comparison to the way that you can just literally have nothing move when you're animating stuff i mean i think it's a wonderful question in cinema in general right because you know the whole purpose is to make things meaningful right and actually just putting more or cutting quicker or putting more things in the frame you know doesn't necessarily make it more meaningful right like it's just yeah kind of more is not better Right, and I think kind of this is a, a textbook example of that, you know, on the value of, of stillness and kind of sparseness and yeah. kind of, you know, giving meaning to like the slightest, you know, gesture. Yeah. I really loved Night as well, the way that was stripped, the way it was stripped of colour. Uh-huh. Night, Night just became black and white. Yes. Which was, which was a, a brilliant, you know, I mean, it's not really much to say about it, but it was just a really great way of delineating day from night and showing it as this, as this, kind of romantic different world mm. you know that everything just be- just became monochrome once it was night time yeah I mean I think that's true of the film as a whole like kind of um, each scene yeah which is kind of um, yeah drawn differently right so you know the scenes in the forest or the scenes of the storm or uh, um you know, um, the scenes where you see the fields or, yeah, kind of, they're all rendered meaningful, right? Like kind of, you know, the image is drawn to kind of convey, you know, a feeling and a mood, right? And it's very successful in doing that. Mm. It's kind of, it's very beautifully thought through. It's very beautifully drawn, you know, to evoke, um, yeah. And you can tell, I guess, you can tell the care that's been put into it and 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 the level of work, which... Um, which in itself is is just a pleasure to see yes. um, and to experience. And you go, you know, you can tell. You can tell how much work has gone into it, and and whether you kind of like or feel that you understand what's going on or not. It's a real pleasure to see something that you can tell has been worked on, very very hard. Yes, you know, um, as simple as that sounds. Yes, yes, everything where everything kind of you know has been thought through with great skill. Uh, I think that needs to be emphasized. That you kind of go, even if I don't get this, it definitely means something, and that in itself is nice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as opposed to last week's viewing on the disaster artist, where you see the camera wobbling all over the place, and you think, why is the camera wobbling all over the place? And you realize, well, there's no fucking reason. <laughs> you know, they just haven't thought it through. They can wobble it, and that's what they're doing, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is not to say that wobbly camera. Is bad. I mean, for instance, if you look at like uh, Paul Greengrass, I think he uses wobbly camera well, brilliantly is, because he kind of snatches images in a way that is that is informative and conveys a mood. What I'm getting at is this thing that you were saying about it being thought through. You know, if it's a choice that's made for expressive purposes, fine. Mm. You know, but actually, you know, sometimes there is. It doesn't seem to be a choice. It just seems to be like an afterthought, right? Like you're doing something else. Yeah, and the camera wobbles, and you you know, and, and yet the viewers trying to think, why is the camera wobbling? And actually, it's just wobbling because it wants to get to that face, <laughs> right? That's I know what all. you mean. Yeah, uh, like so. if, if, yeah, like not not an afterthought necessarily, but but not even a thought at all. Like you just go, we want to show this scene, and so and you've concentrated on the script and the actors 
and the blocking and the camera is kind of just the way we'll capture it. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to something that's integral. Yeah. So this is, a, I think, a real contrast to that because everything seems kind of purposeful and patterned. Okay, we better end it there. Go see it if you get a chance. And if you don't get a chance to see it someplace, it is available on Amazon. Which we probably shouldn't publicize. <laughs> well, no, until they pay us. Well, you, you got it from Amazon. I, I imagine it's... I mean, well, you got it on streaming, right? So it'll, it'll be in shops, I guess. It's of now, course, it, of course. It'll so. now be on Blu-ray. Exactly. Yes, it will. Okay. It's and on it's Blu-ray. Yeah. <laughs> and it's nice. Good. Thank <laughs> you.